Swain, and you're listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast, where we discuss the opportunities and challenges facing companies on the road to optimizing their communications for the future. Today, I'm joined by Michelle Jackson, Managing Director of Digital Solutions at Broadridge. Michelle, thanks for joining me today. Happy to be here, Matt. Thanks for having me. Michelle, you often joke about how your career looks rather schizophrenic, spanning Wall Street to Madison Avenue. Talk to me about that career progression. When I made the leap from working at financial services and wealth companies to advertising and marketing agencies, it seemed like a really odd choice. But today, that's a pretty unique combination of communications design across a range of highly regulated industries. And it looks pretty brilliantly planned. I'm really genuinely grateful for the breadth of experience and have worked with some amazing companies in wealth, health, retail, pharma, and more. And it, it's given me a really unique view into how companies can leverage proven techniques and technologies from the Marcom world and apply them to transactional communications, ultimately to the benefit of, of brands and consumers alike. I feel like I could spin a roulette wheel of topics from customer experience to going paperless to preference management solutions, and we could spend the rest of this podcast discussing whichever topic it landed on. But why don't we focus on the content of the June Communicating in the New Now webinar that we did together, and it may actually still allow us to tackle these topics. So with that, Michelle, can you help set the stage on why we took on this initiative? For most of us, it was probably mid-March when we started to learn the language of social distancing and we had to shift to remote work, homeschooling, new personal safety measures like masks and gloves. And this shift from physical to virtual interaction has changed how we think about transacting or executing activities with the brands where we have relationships. And transactions and activities we might have previously done inside a bank made us think about how we meet with our financial advisors and made us think about how we make payments to service providers. And at the same time, businesses were trying to ensure the safety of their employees and physical doors were closed. Um, And as all this happened, we started to see a rise in digital interaction. And these were virtual meetings with wealth advisors, virtual meetings with our doctors, shift from in-bank teller activity to the ATM. So all these things that typically a consumer would choose to do in person, these physical interactions and and paper mail transactions got forced into new communications options. There was this new sort of exploration of new ways of doing things. And when you combine that with what we have seen and, and unfortunately continue to see in terms of impact on the economy, you know, it makes us begin to think about everything from the consumer's ability to pay things like bills they're receiving at their home, how investors make decisions about things like their retirement accounts. And and all these dimensions together start to change how firms think about managing their communication strategies. Everything from missed payments or how to manage collection streams, new incentives to activate auto pay plans, all of this information becomes useful in reimagining what kind of strategy they're going to use to be effective in their communications. And so we thought now more than ever, it was really critical to get out into the marketplace, listen carefully to the the companies we work with as our clients, and watch consumer behavior, all in an effort 
to try to help organizations who are dealing with these rapid changes in consumer behavior and trending and better inform their communication strategies. To that point, a lot of what we were assuming would happen were also points that we really wanted to validate through this research. And if, if I speak a little bit to fill in the context of what we've been doing, one thing that we did, as you noted, is launch the consumer research. And we're doing that on a biweekly basis. And we've collected nearly 2,000 consumer responses over the first six cycles. And that's helping us track the evolution of thinking. Sometimes the responses are consistent survey cycle over survey cycle, but for other areas, we're seeing some changes as people are kind of coming to grips with how this pandemic is affecting how they'll interact in the future. The other piece that we're doing is we're making sure that we're, we're talking to our clients, that we're talking to enterprises and market, and we're doing that through a series of interviews. We've conducted more than 20 interviews to date. And we're doing those across industries, across job functions, company sizes, and really trying to better understand how these companies are reacting to the pandemic, specifically through the lens of communications. Yeah, I've been so struck by the themes from those business interviews that, that you cited on the webinar. I mean, there's so much there to tackle. You've got employee and client safety, business execution. I mean, just the sheer balance of human interaction and sort of the human factor is just fascinating. Absolutely. I've had the privilege of, of conducting most, if not all of those interviews myself. And in every conversation, it starts with how the company reacted in the moment and they implemented their work from home policies and then started talking about plans to return to the workplace. And depending on when I conducted the interview, if it was early April or late May into early June, the return to workplace piece of it became more important to the discussion. And then there was also that piece of modifying customer access. So if it's account holders, investors, patients, and visits to bank branches, financial advisor officers, and healthcare facilities, those were the types of things people were talking about based on their own business and how they might need to change the way they interact with their client base. For business execution, the business continuity planning was a really core piece of discussion, right? And, and I, I specifically remember one of the wealth firms we spoke with, they said, we had a business continuity plan in place. We just weren't ready for the entire world to be down at once. They scrambled to be able to support that shift. But we also heard about process adjustments. We heard about accelerating digital initiatives Digital has, has always been really important to these companies, quoting one of the interviews. And they said, now it's really, really important that, and we're shifting budgets accordingly. And then, Michelle, you mentioned the human factor. There were definitely parts of the conversation that were relative to, this isn't the moment to be too opportunistic. No one cares about how good your robo-advisor is in times of crisis. They want to talk to a human. And then in those human interactions, how do we help reinforce client relationships? With more video conferencing, you actually learn more about your client base because of the kids popping into the video in the background or, or you know, a sailboat on the wall so you can talk about common interests. Uh, and th those became really critical parts of the discussion as we, as we were talking about how this pandemic was directly impacting the businesses and those client relationships. 
Yeah, I think when you say digital, that really strikes me, Matt. I mean, digital is such a huge word and it's definitely being bandied about right now. And, and I think with good reason, it's always been important. Companies have always been focused on better digital communications, but it's got a, it's got a new sense of urgency right now. And, and when we talk about digital, not just you and I, but you know, with, with the companies that we get a chance to work with, it's, it's worth noting that we're thinking about not just the communication, because we operate in the communications world, but we're thinking about more than just that front-end experience. It's also all of the platforms and processes and workflow and data that enable that digital interaction or the whole series of interactions across the customer journey. Excellent point. Yeah, digital transformation is just such a big term. Uh, and we, to your point, we, we're looking through this narrower lens. So in that same theme, one of the things that I found really interesting in the consumer research is we asked consumers about the ways that they've digitally engaged with their providers for the first time. And what we found was 36% of the consumers that we spoke with had made an online payment for the first time with one of their providers. So they might have been making online payments in other relationships, but for the first time they went through that process with this provider. 24% accessed a biller statement online, 23% deposited a check via mobile app, another 23% had downloaded the provider's mobile app, and 19% or one in five had a virtual meeting with the provider for the first time. It's really interesting to be thinking about these first-time digitally engaged customers. And in general, they're saying, I faced some problems, but now I'm confident to use the apps and services. It was empowering. It's easier than I anticipated, so I'll do more of it. So there's, there's really this general consumer excitement about the opportunity afforded to them to interact differently than they had in the past. I mean, we heard some of the same things in the business interviews where executives and businesses are seeing consumers interact with them today, you know, through mobile check deposits. And they'll continue now that people have figured out how easy it is. And one of the providers we spoke to said they had seen a twofold increase in mobile check deposits from February to April. Mm -hmm. As we look at the increase in online interactions, it's it's kind of inevitable. I mean, this whole environment has caused individuals who might have been resistant to try new things, they've, they've been forced into it. And, you know, ideally the opportunity here is for individuals to now ease into the experience. Might have been a little difficult at first, might have been a little frustrating, but as organizations rise to the occasion, and get their digital initiatives accelerated to meet the consumer, there's an opportunity now to reinforce that good experience. And individuals who have stepped out of a physical or a paper interaction into the digital world, now there's an opportunity to have that engagement in the digital channel stick, go forward. And you know, when we look at leaders in the communication space who are trying to navigate all the twists and turns happening today, they're focused on those types of long-term engagement goals. Case in point, and there, there's a lot being written about the pandemic and the impact it's having on businesses. I think about this digital magazine article that we were looking at where TD Bank was highlighted with its engagement up 30% in Canada. 
at 17% in the U.S. since the start of the pandemic. And during the pandemic, TD developed and launched over 100 new capabilities to inform and educate customers as well as provide new services. And those were virtual assistants and new onboarding experiences. But if you looked at the the onboarding in particular, TD was trying to win over consumers who are completely new to online banking. And they viewed the steps that they had taken as providing that platform, that opportunity and growing the business. I mean, it's a great simplistic way to think about it. If your individual you know, customer at the end of the day can't physically open the door to interact with you, Think about what digital doors you can open and how you can reduce that friction. Just like once you've got them in the bank branch or any other building you would physically want them in, once you have them in your digital ecosystem, how can you then provide value and engage with them on a deeper level? I also look at the flip side of it's great that they're engaging digitally, but were you ready? Think of all the businesses that have been telling us for years We want more digital. We want to turn off paper. It's cost savings. For a while, we've talked about the importance of creating more engaging experiences. And we saw in some of the feedback that when people did this for the first time, it was confusing. It was frustrating. It was buggy. It didn't work at first. And then you had people saying, I I don't like doing this. I don't like putting my credit card number online. And I think there are two themes in those negative experiences. One is that the provider actually missed the mark on the digital experience when they finally got the customer to take action. And then there's the flip side, which is, I don't want to do it. And just because you want to push me here, or I had to do it this time, doesn't mean I'm going to stay here. There still is that entrenched camp that said, I'll do it this time but can you still focus on making my offline experience good and and not just keep pushing me to this digital experience? So there's a balancing act, but I do feel like this is the time, this is the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is the part that I think sometimes is hard to watch both with my professional and my personal hat on. I mean, to your point, there's such an opportunity here. There's There's been this really unique outside force that has move people in a direction they might never have gone before. And it becomes an opportunity now for companies to sort of wow the end consumer. And maybe for some folks, whether it's their own experience or whether it was the actual application they were working with, it was buggy. You know, now this big question is, okay, we, we help them with that one thing, but can we help consumers stay with us in these channels? And for so many companies and so many industries, I mean, this is pretty much universal. We've been trying so long to get consumers to engage digitally in a meaningful way that benefits them and benefits the brand. And, you know, if that first experience didn't get the consumer what they hoped they would get or didn't deliver the value they thought they would get, at the end of the interaction, it's now the lost opportunity. So if I focus and think a little bit about what we see now, and I wanna, I wanna link back to a comment you made, like we're constantly out in market with this research because things are changing day to day, week to week. We are starting to see as companies come through the immediate business continuity sort of crisis mode, figuring out how to move forward in this shifting landscape, 
we're definitely seeing companies consider thoughtfully how they can reduce friction in digital interactions. So whether a customer came in and had a great first experience or a shaky first experience, you know, that's sort of a tentative step to the digital arena. And companies are, are really thoughtfully saying, where's their friction? Where is it difficult? How do we make it easier? And how do we get people to stay and get more engaged in a deeper way? And a couple of things, you know, in industry around this, we've seen more companies get really creative about linking their print and digital engagement, using their print materials to showcase what's available digitally, which I think is a pretty creative way to think about this. And some of them are, you know, even launching digital experiences off of QR codes printed on their materials just to demonstrate you know, how easy it is and the value of interacting with a company in that way. We're also seeing companies come to us who are worried about risk, especially in more highly regulated industries, where moving quickly from paper to digital helps them reduce any regulatory risk associated with, you know, time to delivery. And What's really nice is in doing this, of course, they're addressing a a risk in their business, but they're now freed up to create far more compelling experiences in those communications. And this, in particular, is something we know from the research and consumer testing will help those firms not just drive paper suppression, but will actually drive valuable engagement. Absolutely. And I think what's interesting about this is it's really exciting to see the digital transformation initiatives accelerate across industries. You think about the transformation that the the banks and financial institutions went through 10 to 12 years ago, and they're comparatively in a better spot than some, some other industries. And that's where we're starting to see others really having this first-time aha moment of needing to transform or, or accelerating those initiatives. But but communications is just one segment of that transformation. I know we kind of define digital up front, but there's an opportunity here for organizations to truly tackle those people, process, and technology-related hurdles that they've been shying away from addressing in recent years. Yeah, I mean, this is an opportunity for, for business leaders to really lead. I mean, this, this whole environment has also accelerated strategic investments in communications platforms, but with that broad view of people, process, and technology. More firms are feeling on a really fundamental level that to drive lasting, transformative change, they have to have a set of capabilities that helps them be really nimble today and nimble for whatever is going to come in the future. So I'm not a buzzwordy kind of person. I try to avoid them at all costs. But I I think now the number of times I hear firms talk to me about needing to have a CCM strategy, like we need a customer communications management strategy, we need a platform, we need a system. The good news there is that they are thinking about the whole ecosystem around efficiently applying their data thinking about workflow, which includes composition and distribution across multiple communication channels with a view of analytics to to drive learning and optimization. And the fact that firms are quickly shifting to that view really shows the sort of the sea change in communications 
and the opportunity not just to deal with a particular pain point, not to just think about incremental improvement, but to drive significant gains across all of those dimensions, how people are utilized, how process is designed, and how technologies help businesses not just run efficiently, but drive growth. So Matt, it's your podcast, but it's my chance to flip a question to you. We continue to do this research in market. Can you tell me a little bit about what's pivoting, what's changing, what trends you're seeing? Yeah, that's fair. The The data has been pretty consistent across the tests in many aspects. One of the things that was interesting to track since the June webinar was the number of consumers expecting that it would take a year or more to return to normal. Because for the first four cycles of the survey, the number continued to increase. And then when we discussed in the June webinar, the numbers had dipped slightly in that fifth cycle. But then our latest cycle has returned to the high of the fourth. So I think it kind of speaks to the way that that we are all kind of absorbing what's going on in the market and potentially people seeing a decline and then realizing that actually there's a spike coming back. And just as that roller coaster continues, I think it's changing sentiment. Frankly, it just speaks to the longevity of the pandemic and the impacts that it's going to have for the long term. We're also seeing consumers increasing their expectations that businesses will be the ones that change how they communicate with consumers versus consumers changing how they communicate with businesses. And that could be because we're a few more statement cycles through the process. They're starting to see strategies being implemented, whatever it is, they're seeing the businesses driving that change. But it's not so disparate that consumers aren't expecting it and consumers also still feel in control. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a, there's a nice consistency there. Michelle, if we look at the macro trends or indicators that this research is pointing to, what stands out most to you? Oh, wow. On a macro scale, I think I'm just really struck by the experience with this sort of turbulence in communications efforts resulting from COVID, I think is a a teachable moment. I mean, this is a moment I think where companies recognize long-term growth and success, the ability to thrive, they'll be hampered if they're not nimble. I mean, change is inevitable in so many forms, but I think now firms feel on a real fundamental level, their investments and strategies in particular in their communications functions and capabilities have to be able to quickly pivot, adjust, or or re-vector for whatever comes next. So speaking about what comes next, you can't escape without answering a favorite question of mine on this podcast, (laughs) and it's whether COVID-driven or not, how do you anticipate communications will continue to evolve in the coming years? Oh, I saw this one coming, Matt. I I know you like to ask this (laughs) one, so I actually gave it some thought. I definitely see channel complexity. I People love individual choice. People love to be individuals. And I think we're going to see increasing volume and complexity as there are new ways for companies to be relevant cross-platform and cross-device. With that said, I'm a big believer in voice, in particular in the home. And I, I recognize this is not something everyone is comfortable with, and some folks have concerns about privacy. 
And if you look at the pace at which providers like Google and Amazon have been able to get in home with devices, it really demonstrates that a large portion of consumers are going to thoughtfully trade off any sort of privacy considerations for the value of a device. And in the research, consumers actually tell us that they'll give companies more data if they have a clear understanding of how the data is going to be used and if that data use delivers value. And I, I am so intrigued to watch what happens as voice enables not just the individual consumer in the household, but a way for the household to engage around content, which has been a real struggle for many organizations in many industries. Powerful. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for the insights today. Ah, thanks for having me, Matt. It's a lot of fun. I'm Matt Swain, and you've been listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast. If you like this episode and think someone else would too, please share it, leave a review, and don't forget to subscribe. To learn more about Broadridge, our insights, and our innovations, visit broadridge.com or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. LinkedIn.